Welcome back to the SMQBs. This is our fifth episode. We had to take a quick week off, but we are back. Uh, if you agree with me that sports is about misery and there is nothing more enjoyable than watching one of your good, good, dearest friends suffer because of stupid decisions by his sports team, then you are going to love this episode. Let's do it. SMQB's episode five. We are back. Death of an NFL franchise. House, this is teed up for you, buddy. Let sad what's happening. Sad what's happening to the Texans, isn't it? Yes, the Texans. It really is. Let's focus on them. They still have uh, a quarterback. Yeah. So look, I it's probably good that we took a week off um, because this has been one of the darkest weeks in my sporting life. Now, not everybody in Philadelphia feels the way I do about Carson Wentz. And if the audience could see Carson's behind me spread with his Eagle wings, that looks like the angel that he is. But what Howie Roseman, and the Philadelphia Eagles accomplished this week was the destruction of a franchise. And it's not just because they got rid of a quarterback who I suppose is debatable as to whether or not he's really in store for an incredible future or not. But did you know that in 2016, this team surrendered five draft picks to go up and get this guy? surrendered five draft picks wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute really i didn't know that they surrendered five draft picks to move up to number two i remember those. Okay. then Oof. they signed him just 20 months ago this is what's unbelievable talk about time flies 20 months ago they signed him for four years 128 million dollar contract they now have let go of this in just four years, the second all time passing yards per game leader of the Eagles. They are taking a $33.8 million cap hit in 2021, which will represent 19% of their total team payroll for next year for somebody that's not even on the team. Mm. They're now going to put in a quarterback, someone who is destined to be hated by the fans. Because he is throwing to Jalen Rieger, Greg Ward, and Travis Fulgham behind an offensive line that probably averages about 38 years old. And they used a second round pick to get him. This is the way you screw up a franchise. Now, I, I, I'm interested to hear what your guys' take is 
on Carson and what it meant by letting him go. And then after hearing your take on it, I want to share some some numbers with you guys so so I can maybe persuade you. But I have a feeling you guys are all Carson haters, and I kind of want to hear that. Well, so well, so wait a minute. I'm sorry, I uh, I lost our connection for a minute there. What what year was he drafted? 2016. And what was what was the year that you guys stumbled into a lucky uh, Super Bowl win? Well, two years later. 2018. Well, he, wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't quarterbacking though. No, he I know, but he got quarter- him there. He definitely got him there, and he was damn good the that year and the year before. So my point is this: as much as I love giving Toby grief about anything having to do with the Eagles. <laughs> He was, I remember telling you this at your house, Toby, when we, when we were all there, um, he's going to be great. He, you could see it his first couple of years and the year that he brought him right up to the Super Bowl. And I mean, he got hurt twice. He had two pretty bad injuries. I mean, what is it about the Eagles that they can't wait this out? They can't let a guy get well. I mean, he, he was hurt. He's not been the same since. He's still not fully recovered last season. And they had a terrible, terrible offensive line. Um, their their tight ends were all hurt and not playing up to their abilities. And their wide receivers were, you know, guys off the practice squad practically. So well, I, I just don't understand the the train wreck that has become this whole Carson Wentz saga. He, he's... You know, maybe, maybe for no reason that anyone can figure out other than maybe injuries, he will never be a good quarterback again. I doubt that. I think he's going to be a good quarterback again. I think the Colts got a great deal here and the Eagles just blew it. Well, I want to, I want to run him off. I want to back up though on something because, and Toby, I don't, when you were going through your, your timeline, did you mention the extension? that they gave him. Yeah. 20 months ago. So that's when they gave him the extension. And, and what, what were the terms? Four years, $128 million. So, I mean, here's look, this, this conversation gives me so much joy and pleasure, whichever way you come down on this, because the complete obsession and love affair that Philadelphia and their fans had, with this guy, it was so premature. It was just so premature. I mean, look, he was excited. This is RG3 all over. So I've been through this in this regard. That's he was an exciting comparison. No, it's not. He was an exciting, dynamic player. He looked like he had that swagger, that mojo to put the team on his back and charge forward. But when he had that injury to his knee, that eventually kept him out of the playoffs and out of the Super Bowl. He never really recovered from that. And knowing that the the extension is what you look at and you have to say, what were you doing? Now, look, if you give it to him, then everything Rooster just said is accurate. If you say, we're going to give him this extension, we're going to buy in then you got to give them time to get fully healthy. You got to let them get protection. You got to have receivers who can catch the ball. That's all true. But I, I don't think the screw up isn't limited just to how they sort of ran him out at the end. It's just a complete lack of organizational focus, 
commitment. Nobody was on the same page. And, and clearly, everybody got off of the same page when they gave him that extension. Well, if they had just treated him half as well as your team treated Alex Smith, they'd be in much better shape right now. I mean, how do you go? How do you go from that Super Bowl where you look like you were stacked for years to come to where they are today? It's it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Well, what I mean, Toby, honest question: How did you how did you rate Carson's performance performance this season? Like Carson's performance. Carson's yeah, his decision making, um, his arm strength. I mean, I saw some games where I I, I was questioning and maybe it's the injury i don't know but it seemed like his arm strength would had had gotten worse i i i i just think there's other factors at play here carson's performance was horrible this past year and good organizations with excellent quarterbacks ride it out and appreciate that outlier years can happen i looked this up in 2002 a guy that you might know milk he goes by the name of Tom Brady. Yeah. His, pass, his passer rating was 85. He threw 14 interceptions, went nine and seven, and threw at least one interception in 10 of 16 games. By February 1st, 2004, he was beating the Panthers in the Super Bowl. In 2007, Eli Manning had a 56% passer rating with 23 touchdowns and 20 interceptions, a 73 passer rating. And by 2008, he was a Super Bowl MVP. In 2015, Peyton Manning had his second worst season other than his rookie year. The 538 group, the 538 sports, they say that statistically, statistically, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. But 2015 was the worst season of a Super Bowl quarterback in that year, and he won the Super Bowl for the Broncos. Quarterbacks can have bad years. You don't panic. Hit the panic button. Let me let me tell you some of the. But what about his that, his injuries? Or his injury his because knee, his plant foot knee. Was, so they, they, was it ACL? What was it? Yeah, it was. I think it was both ACL and MCL. Yeah. And yeah, pretty uh, bad. None and, of those quarterbacks you mentioned had an ACL MCL injury, as far as I remember. I think Brady had an ACL had, when he was Brady out for the year. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, and, yeah, he yeah. had a really bad knee injury. Yeah. And Peyton Manning was playing with a neck sewn together with thread. Right. But there's right. a big difference between Brady's ACL and, and Carson's, right? Brady was a drop back passer who needed to take one step forward, one step to the side right. and throw. Carson's game was that elusive, you know, uh, uh, scramble, not necessarily a, a pure runner, but a guy who could just run around behind the line of scrimmage forever and make a play happen. So it's not really the same comparison between him and Brady with the, right. with the ACL injury. It's just a but different no, Carson, player. But talent Carson. is talent. Talent is talent. And the talent he flashed in his first three years is real. Now, maybe last year he's back there in the pocket gun shy because he's gotten the shit knocked out of him. Right. And he needs to get over that. And maybe he needs a guy like Frank Reich to get him over that, but they didn't even try. The Eagles took 65 sacks last year, one of the top 10 in NFL history. He took on 50 of those sacks, 50 of them. But let me tell you why Carson Wentz is going to win a Super Bowl with the Colts. Oh, okay. Carson Wentz is the first quarterback prior to this outlier season 
He's the first quarterback in NFL history with 20 or more touchdowns and seven or fewer interceptions in three straight seasons. Brady, Breeze, and Rodgers, and Wilson did it in two. Carson did it in three straight season. He has um, the third quarterback in NFL history to throw a touchdown in all 16 games and have seven or fewer interceptions with Brady and Matt Ryan. Before 2020, he had the longest streak in all of NFL with a touchdown in each game, 19 consecutive weeks. In 2019, okay, after the injury, he had 11 games with at least one touchdown and no interceptions. Only Russell Wilson did that. And in the entire history, in the entire history of the NFL, only 13 quarterbacks have thrown for 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, and single-digit interceptions. One of them is Carson Wentz. Coming into this year, What the Eagles supplied Carson Wentz, despite giving them $128 million and all this, he's had 19 wide receivers. Nine are out of the league. Seven of those 19 receivers are undrafted free agents. Only two of those 19 had over 600 yards with the Eagles. Zero had 1,000 yards with the Eagles. I mean, they gave him nothing. They gave him nothing. So why do you send him away instead of putting talent around him? So, So let me ask this then. And, and, you know, look, we're going to find out, right, what what his what the situation is here. Like, is he done because of injuries or did the Eagles just blow it? Because we're going to get that answer uh, in Indianapolis. And and despite those statistics, Toby, I'm still not taking the Colts in my survival pool in week one uh, <laughs> after this year. Uh, but what happened? I mean, what was the breakdown in Philadelphia? How did this get so bad? that they took the largest cap hit ever in the league. And their coach is gone. And the coach is gone. Right, right. It's not even a power struggle between the coach and the quarterback. What the hell happened? Can I ask you guys this? Honestly, I I don't know the answer to this, but can you guys think of a player that you've rooted for in your life who, after he was sent away, from your team, you really legitimately rooted for him and the team that he went to. Can you think of somebody like that? Because this is going to be one of the first times I can really ever think that I will, I won't root for the Colts to beat the Eagles, but I will legitimately be rooting for the Colts because I think Carson got the raw deal. It's the first time I can remember doing something that maybe I rooted for Iverson with the Nuggets, you know, something like that. But this is, that's, I want to see him succeed. I do. Yeah, but but, but still, I, I that's a good question. I, I can't think of anybody who I've really truly rooted for after they've rooted left. for guys at the end of their career when they've left, like Tampa, you know? Like I rooted for John Lynch when he left and all that, but not not this type of situation. Yeah, I can't think of that, but but – I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm asking, I mean, I, look, like I said, I'm really happy about this. And I hope this kind of dysfunction <laughs> strikes all your franchises down because I've lived it for 25 years now. So I, I understand the pain and I'm happy to share it. But, but I mean, is this just the GM? I mean, what caused this breakdown? I think before, before we get to that, I, I lost um, contact again with our with our Zoom connection. With the Earth? earth yeah yeah and so i'm gonna let you show you how just to show you how old i am i'm gonna answer toby's question this way about i remember when the giants had fran tarkenton 
And I rooted what? for the Vikings after that. My God, time. how old yeah, are you? Wow. How old are you? Seriously. <laughs> I'm fucking old, man. I, I feel like we can really get a new audience segment with this. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird nickname's going to change from, from uh, Rooster to Pterodactyl, I think. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I started rooting for the Giants when I was practically a toddler because my grandfather was just so into it. And he and I think I was the only person in the world that he liked, so I had no choice. But to answer your question, I I really, if I if I had one knock on Carson, um, I think that the way he handled the Jalen Hurts drafting situation was the beginning of the end. Um, I think the Eagles. I look. I didn't like drafting Jalen at two. But I did understand the rationale that with a quarterback who suffered two pretty serious injuries in two consecutive seasons and the importance of a backup quarterback, so much so that a backup quarterback got you a Super Bowl in uh, Nick Foles, I was okay with drafting him. Carson melted when that happened. But yeah, but you, management, management 101 is, hey, Carson, we're going to do this, and here's why. But not right. only that, yeah. can you complain about the offensive line and the wide receivers that he didn't have hmm. And then say, yeah, it made sense to take a quarterback in with a second round pick. I don't like that they did it, but I understand the rationale for doing it. But your question was, what happened? Like, what yeah. was the beginning of the end? I think that was the beginning of the end. I think it messed with his head the whole year. And I and I and if you had a knock on Carson, it's that I think the greats have a mental strength that that's the one question. I don't question whether he came back for injury or whether he's got the skills as a quarterback. I do have a question as to whether or not when pressed on a real serious adversity situation, whether he's got the up here in his head to get through it. Cause he well, didn't, that, he didn't, but it's a bigger that, problem. That's a huge that. problem, by the way, that you just said huge. That's more big. That's, that's bigger than a physical issue. Yeah. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And he didn't, he, he, whatever, he went to the NFC championship game. And they drafted a quarterback. How many heir yeah. apparents did, did uh, New England draft while oh, Brady yeah. was there, right? Like every three yeah. years they took someone else. But, but Toby, the, the Eagles problem is deeper than the Carson issue. I mean, you guys went from thinking that your GM was the next coming uh, during the Super Bowl to now the guy sat on his laurels, done nothing since, allowed the offensive line to wither on the vine, and had and you have these has been wide receivers like Alshon and and Deshaun Jackson keeps coming back, and you you know you you haven't drafted well. When's the You're last right. time you drafted a Pro Bowler, right? Well, so, yeah, I, I think mean, that's that, indicative of the entire NFL. Is every one of these billionaire owners is either too involved, like Jerry Jones? I see Pope just joined us. Or they're just they just want what's safe and comfortable, which means the old has-beens like O'Brien from the Texans. The city right now is furious with Howie Roseman, the RGM. Um, there are a lot of stories that after they won the Super Bowl, he was incredibly arrogant, so much so that other GMs didn't even want to make deals with him. Um, so a lot of these he has not drafted well. I mean, Justin Jefferson, every pundit said, okay, it's right there. 
Carson needs a wide receiver. This guy's a stud out of LSU. Can't go wrong. Let's go with Justin Jefferson. And once again, how he does this thing where he outthinks the whole NFL out of exactly what you're saying, Rooster, with arrogance and said, oh, we'll go with Jalen Rieger. He ran a little bit faster than Justin Jefferson, and we think he's going to be a more impressive whatever. Well, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson had almost a record-setting year. Well, let let so. me ask a, a question. So, you know, I think the, the arrogance point is is really a good one. I mean, you, you look at uh, at your coach, Peterson, too, writing a book, you know, after the Super Bowl. I mean, there was, you know, there's a lot of arrogance to go around, I think. What does the – I'm curious. We haven't talked about this before. What does the Zach Ertz comparison situation say to you? I mean, here's a guy who – you know, God knows we had to listen to you tell us how great he was for so long and, and how wonderful he was. And then he has a, a season where he's injured a little bit. He's not as productive. I mean, he was trash to the Eagles, right? I mean, they don't, this is, they, they just were done with him. Is this a, is this a, a whole uh, organizational problem where they just don't value the players? No, I think, I think they value the players. I mean, you know, the, two tight end set goes in vogue. And then when you realize one steps ahead of the other, then maybe you don't need a two tight end set. I mean, they, they, to Howie's credit, if we're going to knock Howie, we'll give him credit for drafting Dallas Godert. You know, he's a stud tight end. He somehow seemed to have surpassed Ertz in athleticism and blocking. And that made Ertz with a contract and the salary cap expendable. But to prevent you guys from bashing on the Eagles a little too much and just to spread the love on uh, other organizations being a disaster, can someone explain to me why it is talking about treating someone like trash versus someone else? Can someone explain to me why it's mutually okay to let J.J. Watt go and that you imprison Deshaun Watson when he obviously wants to go? Someone explain to me what's going on with the Texans. Well, I, I have been thinking a lot about the Texans, and and I think you know the easy said, answer to said that, no one ever said right. no one ever before this. <laughs> well, no, because of our because of our earlier discussions about the Fritz Pollard rule, or uh, I mean the the Rooney rule, and that would be the easy answer to this. I don't think that is the answer to this. I think um, the Texans are a train wreck for all kinds of reasons, but they you know J.J. Watt is an aging defensive lineman with a massive contract. Um, Deshaun Watson is the future of, of that or any team. He's, he's a franchise quarterback. I don't understand why. You understand why what rooster? I, I think I don't understand why they let JJ Watson walk and get nothing in return for him. Um, but I do understand why they don't want to pay his salary going forward. Uh, relative to Deshaun Watson. They cannot lose Deshaun Watson. He's too important to that team. J.J. Watt is on the downside of his career. But having said that, they are a perfect example of what we've been talking about. Their organization is in shambles. And and they, they have an owner who would much rather play it safe and hire guys like O'Brien, who is a mediocre coach his entire career, and they, they, they rewarded his mediocrity by saying, hey, why don't you also be the GM? And what does he do? He trades away Deshaun Watson's favorite target, DeAndre Hopkins, for a broken down, 
running back who will never, ever be what he was, which was really, really for one year, David Johnson. You know, David Johnson had a great 2016 or 17. Then he hurt his wrist. He's never been anything other than mediocre since. And they get rid of DeAndre Hopkins because he's got an issue with coach mediocrity. The, the Hopkins Stupid trade organization. It is. And the Hopkins trade, you know, certainly raises questions. But Watson signed his extension after the Hopkins trade. If he was so angry about that trade, why did he sign an extension when he did? The question, you I'm know, not I, saying, I'm not saying that I'm on Watson's side because yeah. I really have. I believe a deal is a deal. If you you negotiate a great deal for yourself. Good, good on you, including the no trade clause that he has. Uh, good on you, but don't turn around a year later and say, I need out of here. I, I'm again, I oppose that 100%. But I understand why he's upset. So did JJ Watt. You know, JJ Watt walked off the field in the last game and apologized to Watson for wasting one of his prime years. And that's what the team is doing. But he's getting paid a boatload. He agreed to it. He needs to stick to the deal. And and uh, I don't think you should be able to wine your way off of off of the team. Well, what's what's interesting, I think, is this quarterback dilemma. Now the NFC East is, you know, you've got uh, Jalen Hurts, you've got Danny Dimes, you've got I don't know, is it Alex Smith? Is it going to be Fitz Magic? Who's it going to be? And Dallas is sitting. God, on, I hope so. Dallas is sitting on Dak uh, and stringing him along. Uh, because they look at some of these other quarterbacks who, uh, number one pick quarterbacks, number first round pick quarterbacks who are not with their teams anymore. And they go, you know, is the grass greener on the other side? Do we want to pay him 40 plus million dollars for five years, which is what he wants? Uh, I mean, do we just let him go? Do we try to get value? We're not going to let him go. We're going to get value for him. I mean, the, the quarterback situation is so volatile in the NFL right now. Um, if Dallas makes a bad choice and gets gives an injured, unproven Dak the you know the contract, the money he wants, are they locking themselves into house in two years? Are we going to have a $35, 40000000 million cap hit because they have to move him? Uh, otherwise, you know the window is shut on on this opportunity for the Cowboys. It, there's no real easy answers. Well, the deck the deck issue is even a little different because he's coming off a pretty bad injury. Now everybody expects right. him to make a full recovery, but he had you know, a second surgery. Yeah, I mean that that's that's even a little bit a little bit of a different situation. But you've got this is I mean my God the situation in Texas between these two teams the. <laughs> receivers in Dallas. I mean, the potential is it's insane. It is insane. So if it's not Dak, who's going to be throwing to these receivers? Some, some newly drafted person, some also ran like it. That's yes. Sometimes you have to overpay for that. I was, I've been trying to think, maybe you guys know, but I can't think of the last Super Bowl MVP that wasn't a quarterback. Um, I mean, quarterbacks win Super Bowls. They've been winning the last several Super Bowls. Ultimately, that's who's going to win you your Super Bowl. Do I think, do I want the Cowboys to win a Super Bowl? Never again. But do I uh, think they're capable with, <laughs> do, I, do I think they're capable with this team of doing it, including Dak at quarterback? I, I think 
I think Dak Prescott doesn't have all the skills. I think he has enough skills to win them a Super Bowl with this talent around them. Yeah, but if you pay him too much, then yeah. you're not going to be able to surround him with the talent necessary to go to the Super Bowl. That's the classic dilemma that Jerry Jones faces right now. Well, it just shows you, I mean, look, this shows you how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. Right? I mean, you, you really have to have everything line up correctly for you. Um, to, to be able to win a Super Bowl, no injuries, contracts spread out the right way so that you can go out and get the, the piece or two. But I, I think that, you know, that almost goes against what I was talking about, Carson, before in that long extension they gave him. One of the most valuable things you can have in the NFL right now is a superstar quarterback on their on their rookie contract. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you if you have that, your window and and they come into a situation like look if if Washington ended up with a superstar rookie quarterback right now you could do some things and make a run in two or three years with the defense they have you, you could have the money to go out and spend in other places I think you but, have that right now in Heineken <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got the stud rookie quarterback you could have that right a now. big deal the legend of Taylor Heineken, it grows every day after one game. It's really unbelievable. Look, well, but what maybe the move. new maybe the new paradigm though is I mean, you don't get a Tom Brady necessarily in free agent, but it's a new paradigm to get a veteran quarterback uh and surround him with talent and make a run as opposed to trying to cultivate these uh uh you know high draft pick quarterbacks that don't stay with their Ooh. teams. Or don't think, pan out like the like what happened to Washington. Well, I think that's a good point, Pope. And yes, look, the if you guys want the answer to all the problems, just bring in Tom Brady and Gronk. Yeah. It's not it's not hard. But I think a lot of these guys, a lot of these, oh my god, <laughs> a lot of these quarterbacks. I think they saw what happened this year. They Brady comes in. First of all, he's running the show. You know, he's bringing, he's bringing in Gronk. He's bringing in Antonio Brown. He's got a lot of power. And I think a lot of these players see that they want that. They want to go to these teams and be able, I mean, look at Russell Wilson right now. And that's causing some major friction in Seattle where, you know, I think they want to play GM. These players want to get involved in personnel now and all this stuff. And I, I think it's causing some issues with ownership and GMs. Um, you know, so I don't know. I mean, it, it, it it's, it's going to be interesting. Well, we're going to know I in mean, Dallas in, in a couple of weeks, cause the franchise tag is going to hit. It's going to be, it's going to be, uh, no going back. Once he gets franchised, nobody thinks that they're, he's going to sign after a second franchise tag. Pope, you have you know, five, you have five trophies behind you. There's a reason that it's been 25 years and that is because your owner thinks he's a GM. I'm right. not going to argue with you, Rooster. Uh, that has been a problem since Jimmy left. Uh, we have an owner who thinks that he is a football man. He's a great owner. He's just not a football man. Well, and, and you're seeing this, you know, the, the issue of the owner's involvement, whether it's not even at the GM level like, like Dallas has, but, you know, the one of the big issues in Washington with RG3 and Cousins when that whole debacle was going on was that Snyder – would be seen, you know, he'd invite RG3 over for dinner. You know, he he had like a vested interest, not just in, in RG3 With a couple succeeding. Yeah, well, but <laughs> not just in RG3 succeeding, but
but he had a vested interest in RG succeeding at the detriment of other players on the team. And that's a little bit, you know, and then you see, look, this whole thing with Deshaun Watson. I mean, my understanding is that one of the big gripes he has is that ownership assured him he would have some say in coaching hires, right. And in, in GM hires and that sort of thing. And then they didn't give it to him. So like, you know, that, that line between owner and player, you know, it's, it's a little bit, uh, uh, you know, we talked about in the NBA how these players can exert a lot of power and influence. It's a really different situation in the NFL, I think. And so you see time and again when that line between between the player and the owner gets blurred or crossed or whatever you want to say, it doesn't usually end up well. Well, it depends on who the GM is and it depends on who the coach is. It depends on who the owners are. Like it worked in Tampa, right? Because our owners aren't involved. They own us. In fact, they're you know they're over in Europe worrying about their soccer team half the time. Man, right? you let's go, yeah. man, you um, Red Devils. Our, our coach was like nice second place. I don't care. I want to drink whiskey, and you can do whatever you want. And our GM was the same. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But that's not happening in Seattle right now. You think Pete Carroll's just going to bend up, you know, sit back and say, yeah, Russell, you go ahead. Yeah. You make the call. Yeah. You let, you, you know, let me here's, know you, want. you know, you guys raise this issue about who gets to make the call. You talk about the Carson situation. Apparently the bears also had a big offer on the table. Some say that it was even bigger than what the Colts offer mm-hmm. was, but Carson declared he refused to go to the Bears, weakening the trade position of the Eagles. And, uh, you know, I texted you guys to say, like, I I really don't know how I feel about this whole issue. I don't know how I feel about Eli saying, you know, before he's even drafted, I'm not playing for the Chargers or Elway saying I'm not playing for this team or, you know, Jerome Bettis saying I'm not playing for the Rams trade me. You know, and there, there's been player after player after player. It can really change the fortunes of a football team. And after all, a lot of these guys are under contract. I mean, I don't know how I feel about this. Well, whether, well let me ask you this, House. Did, did Carson yeah. have a no trade clause in his contract? No. He didn't. No. Huh. So he, he just traded him to without the Bears. Consent. He the he sent signals that he wasn't going to be happy playing for the Bears, and so the Bears kind of took themselves out of the mix. They're like, "Well, we're not going to bring in a quarterback who doesn't want to play for us." And that gave us one team, and once the Colts knew that they were the only game in town, you had you over the barrel. They had to, yeah, they had us over the barrel. And players do this, and I I don't know how I feel about it, but it happens in the NBA, it happens in the NFL, and um, well, the NBA is even worse. I mean, this whole LeBron's um, um, management company that he has, um, LRMR with Maverick Carter. I mean, they ran off the coach in Cleveland. They made all the other guys on the team join that management company. Um, He's gotten other coaches fired. He got Luke Walton fired. I mean, that guy. Well, but that's 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 not different. That's nothing new. I mean, Michael Jordan got Doug Collins fired and Phil Jackson hired and. Obviously, that panned out well, but I mean, no, the players the players have had a lot of control in the NBA for years. Yeah. I mean, look at LeBron. He put together the dream team down in Miami. Yeah, now you're seeing KD do it in Brooklyn. 
Right. So now all these by, by the way, think who they was can it? Who was it who contracts. said, "Watch out for the Nets if they get it going on a roll. They're on a roll right now. Look well, out, who, Philly. Who? Yeah. Who? who they're who pretty was, good. Who was it? Everybody in under the sun. I mean, nope. That was that was that was Pope. That was me. So I you, called it. So, <laughs> Katie, Katie, Pope Thomas, Mister NBA. KD, Kyrie, and Harden, and you went out on a limb and said, look at them, get, get yeah, on a roll. They, they can, might be good if they get hot. They might be good yeah, but, but <laughs> you guys, You guys were knocking. You were knocking Harden, uh, saying he's a little overweight. Not sure that Kyrie. Kyrie was on a personal leave at the time. I said, no, no, give him time. I'll tell you what. When, yeah. Kyrie, when Kyrie came back and said to Harden, I'm going to step aside. You're the point guard. I, that's when I thought, uh-oh. This team is yeah. going to be really hey, Pope, good. The, the NBA today's on the other line. They're calling off for you a gig on there because you're, <laughs> you're, you're so good at lighting these things up. I, Absolutely. I, I, you know, that this the time when AD sat the whole year on the Pelicans and just said, I'm not playing. I, I, I'm preserving my body and I'm just not playing. Like what? What a shaft he gave to the fans, to the organization. Like, I just don't know that I'm OK with these players dictating this. I think there's a difference though. I don't I don't have a problem with a player saying I don't want to go play for a certain team. If it, it's a big difference than being on a team and blowing it up from the inside, getting coach coaches fired and all that. But if you're on the verge of being traded, why can't you voice your opinion like I don't want to go to Chicago? We we I mean this is their job, right? This is what they do for a living for millions of dollars. Sure, but Still, we, we always tell them, hey, that you know, this is what you do for a living, act like it's your job. But then we're like, Yeah, but don't speak your mind, don't say what you know, right. where you want to play. Well, I, I agree with that. You know, we're we're not we just had Kurt Flood in the news, you know, for, for being the this the hero of free agency. And you know, I think we have to balance our 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 views. Players are not are not property. But again, if you sign a contract, a deal is a deal and you have to honor the contract. Absolutely. I have a hard time with these people who um, sign a contract and then play above the contract. And, and they're like, no, 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 I need to rene- renegotiate a year into my three-year deal or whatever it is. Well, I think it's worse. I think it's worse when you have the college kids or the, or the kids getting drafted saying, no, I, I'm not going to go play for that team if they draft me. Right. They've never played. Uh, a, a down or a, or a quarter or whatever in the league. They, they don't have anything other than a college career or a high school career in some cases. And for them to say, I'm not going there. If you draft me, I, I'm, I won't play. That's the most egregious to me. I agree with that. And that, that's why I never warmed up to Eli. Um, I, I did not mm. like that move at all. Look, that was that was Archie. I mean, you know, he didn't want his son to have to go to play uh, for a franchise. Yeah, I don't care. I think the Giants should have kept Philip Rivers, and then they could then they could have drafted Sean Merriman because the the other pick they gave up for Eli was Sean Merriman. They would, and I think Rivers is better than Eli. I don't think they gained a whole lot. I know he won two Super Bowls, but <laughs> no, yeah. we gotta yeah. we gotta put this topic to bed. But I, I do since. How since it's your franchise that's imploding in on fire and hopefully um, simmering in the ashes for the foreseeable future, well into the next decade, you, you get the last word. I think on on uh, on the Carson thing and the NFL in general. I just want to say this: before twenty twenty, the second most wins 
against 10 plus wins teams in the NFL was Carson Wentz only behind Tom Brady in career games against top 10 defenses. He had the fifth highest passer rating behind Mahomes, Wilson, Rogers, and Brady. These are all guys going into the hall of fame. I think people have really underestimated the potential that Carson has. I hope he does great. I think Frank Reich is a great coach. I think they've got a great offensive line. They've got a good defense. They've got a lot of pieces there. And I, I wish the best for Carson. And I, 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 listen, I can't even think of the last time the Eagles have been in a rebuilding year. I, I hope you guys will give me some group therapy because the uh, Washington football team, the Dallas team and the Giants team know a lot what I'm about to go through, but (laughs) Um, I will say and, this and the before, Bucks until Brady showed up. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Bucks, bef- before, before, well, so just, just to recap, just to recap on that house thrilled with the Carson Wentz trade, happy to see him out of Philadelphia and looking forward to the future in Philly. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to playing the Eagles next year. Hey, can we talk Listen. about what's wrong with the NBA though? It's not but before we do that, before we do that, before we leave the NFL, I just want to say uh, to Milk that I'm. I was sorry to hear about Vincent Jackson because uh, I know he was a big Bucks player, and uh, I, I was sad to hear that news. And a good guy too. Yeah, I mean, and such a bizarre story, right? Like found in a motel. Uh, his family had filed a missing persons. You know, I think he was separated from his from his wife and. You know, now all these stories are coming out. I think he had been possibly like dead in the hotel room for multiple days before like the maid kept coming in, thought he was sleeping and all that. But, you know, we we all live in cities other than you, Rooster, sorry, where we have professional sports teams. And it, it's when you don't live in the community, we don't know a lot about these players other than their stat line and you know, maybe they're on your fantasy football team, but it's hard for us to know what they actually do in their community. And you're right. He was a really, really good guy that had just gotten so involved in Tampa. Um, He set up a, you know, he he opened up some restaurants. He has this awesome uh, nonprofit called uh, Jackson in Action 83, which helped veterans, children's like adapt to moving all over the country because he was a military brat. Uh, and all that. His wife is a teacher at a local private high school, actually the high school where Brady and those guys legally practiced in last March. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I just think there was, it was like a perfect thing. He was the type of guy you go to a high school game, football game, a local, and he would be there. And he wasn't from here. There was no connection to Tampa. And he just said, Hey, I'm going to live here and I'm going to just, just do some great things and give back. So, you know, I guess the point is just because there's a a picture that looks so perfect. I think there's, there's always some things that are happening behind, you know, closed doors and people are demons or, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting them. And I was glad to see that his family donated his brain to be studied for CTE you know, that's, that's a big deal. Um, I've heard in the last you know few days that he had a potentially a very severe substance abuse, uh, alcoholism, 
the two has, go hand in hand. Yeah, dude, like look at like look at Mike Webster. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I th- and my and and just the way what happened and and the marital problems and things like that. You know, part of me was like, you know, maybe it is CTE, and we'll find out. But part of me also started thinking about what is the transition like for these players after they leave pro sports. You know, he 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 retired, I think, three years ago. You know, what's it like when you go from the spotlight when the you know to nothing essentially? I mean, in terms of you know the 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 phone stops ringing, the media. You're not the the in the spotlight anymore. Not everybody can be a commentator on like CBS or Fox. Right. Some some guys thrive in it, right? You know, like Tony Romo, and you know they go on to be coaches or they're sportscasters or or whatever. But I bet there's a big percentage of people, and I have no idea if this is what happened to Vincent Jackson, but just the way he, the, the, the scenario and the alcoholism and all that. I mean, he's cer- certainly struggling with something. And I just, I, I, I bet there's a lot of guys that struggle with that transition of playing sports your entire life. One day it just ends and you have to become a regular citizen again. And it's just, uh, I hope, I hope there's, I hope the NFL helps players with that because I think it's probably a bigger issue than maybe we hear about. And maybe it takes stories like this to, to focus on it. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. He was a really good guy and um, it's a tough loss, you know, for Tampa and the NFL and certainly for, for CTE. Um, you know, hopefully they'll be studying that. I think I think you're right. I think CTE is the number one differential diagnosis here for a guy like that with with his background, um, and it's far worse than most people even realize. I mean, this is you know this is the story of Andre Waters, uh, Junior Seau, Dave Duerson. I think Dave Duerson, if I'm right, he is the guy who was so convinced that he had CTE. He shot himself in the chest to yep. kill himself so that his family could donate his brain to yeah. be studied. Junior Seau I mean, did it, it too. Like Seau too, yeah. These guys are these guys are with this. Yeah. Yeah. Very sad. Well, very well, difficult. Certainly, certainly uh, a topic we should address in, in more depth later on. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. So we're at that point every week. It comes. It's the punchable face of the week. We're going to throw it over to Milk. Uh, well, let me ask you guys a couple questions, first of all. Um, what is the star that surrounds the earth? What is that called? <laughs> oh, you're my son, Milk. You're my son. What is that star called that provides day provides sunlight? The, the sun, that's, correct? That's the sun, milk. Okay. Last we checked, it's, it's, right. it's no wonder you graduated from right. law school. You know, I was just making sure because that's not it's nothing new, right? That's the sun's been around for a long time, right? I just want to confirm some things. Okay. Oh boy, Plus we're still talking about. Oh boy, this is a sports oh podcast, not a science. Uh-huh. Are we getting into a Kyrie uh, flat Earth society and meeting? When here? you put you when you put cold things next, <laughs> what ends up? So let's let's say you took ice and you put it in the sunlight. What happens? In theory, it melts. melt. It melts. Yeah. Okay. 
So over the weekend, um, the NHL ran into some issues. Okay, there was delaying of some games. They had to reschedule, and it wasn't due to COVID. They decided that they were going to do their annual. We're going to play a game outside. It's going to be awesome. This gimmicky thing they do, and they went out to Lake Tahoe, and they decided to build an ice rink and play a game at I think one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, with the sun beating down on the earth. <laughs> and what happens? Players the, fell through the ice. The ice starts to melt. Uh, I think the quote from the NHL executives were, the ice became problematic. And they <laughs> had to delay the game for... Wait, that was Texas this week. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they should have. They should have played in Houston. They should have played in my backyard. <laughs> yeah. They learned from that, and they delayed the game. They had to pause the game. It was the gold. It was the Golden Knights and the Avalanche for eight hours uh, to fix the ice. I think they restarted well, they, the game. Well, they bring at, a zamboni out. They right. played one period, right? Didn't they well, play they a full went, period? They did this genius thing. They said maybe we should play the game at night when the sunshine is not beating down on the earth. So they. Uh, pause the game for eight hours. I think the players like went back to their hotels. They dropped Gambled. the puck again at 12 midnight Eastern time. And then they, I think the, the flyers were in the game yesterday, right? They decided, yeah. well, maybe we should move that game from the afternoon yeah. later on at night, which was just brilliant. So I am going to say that my punchable face of the week is the NHL executives who decided that they would play a hockey game on ice in the middle of the day while the sun was beating down. Uh, that person, that scheduler should be fired and they should also be punched in the face. Bam! Terrible look, NHL. Terrible. This might be well, our I first unanimous punch yeah. in the face. I love that outdoor it's game. It's a great idea. But there's a reason it's usually held in places like Boston or Canada. Just unbelievable. Hey, we actually had it at the Cotton Bowl last year and pulled it off. No problem. Just play the game. Well, it's at cold night. in Texas. Play the game at night. Play the game. It was a beautiful setting, but play the game at night. It's ice. It melts. And I'm done. I'm, w- I'm with you on that one. Wow, that's or a walk play away. in Minnesota during the day, but not at Lake Tahoe. Right. Anybody else on the punchable face? I do. I I, I want to say something. I'm not surprised. Oh boy. <laughs> Sergeant at Arms, here he comes. The, pu- oh, the pugilist in the group. The uh, I'm getting sick of major sports turning a blind eye to players beating up women, and it, you know if they're a superstar, people believe them that they didn't do it. If they're just a regular star, all they have to do is say they're sorry, and everyone moves on. Um, I think the time has come to stop moving on from these guys and just let them go. And unfortunately, the latest example is on my Yankees. Uh, Domingo German in 2019. So this is not new. In 2019, uh, Cece Sabathia had a, a charity gala. And with all the team, team guys there and their partners, Domingo slaps his girlfriend in front of all of them. Mm. And then later that night, one of the Yankees uh, players' wives gets a call from the girlfriend. She's locked herself in a bathroom because he's now drunk 
and is beating the crap out of her. Um, well, the, the Major League Baseball investigated and, 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 and suspended him for 81 games, and now he's back for the start of this year. He has not given one press conference to say he was sorry. He has not addressed his teammates to say, hey, sorry for dragging all of you into this. And it took the uh, undefeated or the athletic, one of those two, to come out with a story a couple days ago saying, hey, you know, why haven't the Yankees made him give a statement? And uh, Boone came out and said, well, I, I didn't think that I needed to make him do that, but now I'm starting to rethink it. So now, lo and behold, today he's out with a statement saying, you know, I know I need to address my teammates. Well, too late, man. You had a year or so to do it. You obviously weren't going to do it until, you know, you got the pressure. He's not sorry. I hope they cut him. He'd be a great fourth or fifth guy in our rotation. Man, I hope they cut him. And Domingo, you're my punchable face of the week. You suck. Wow. I am. You know, I'll just I'll just say I, it's a much smaller story, I think, but I I I don't think it's gotten very national. But the Phillies have a similar issue. They they have a center fielder fielder Odubel Herrera, who you know is okay. He's a okay player. Um, same issue, you know. Um, and they have invited him back to play. Uh, to try out for center field this spring and rightly so the media is really giving the Phillies a lot of heat. I, I don't think ultimately they'll end up adding him to the roster, but you're right, Rooster. I, you know, it's the kind of thing where as a league, they have to take a stand and say, it's just not something we stand for. And whether there's been criminal prosecution or not, this is not as a league, the kind of statement we want to make. These players are gone. How fast did the NFL move on from all? How fast did they move on? We've got some who? ice problems. Today. Yeah. You know, I was going to say that one of the things that made the Yankees story, I think, pop a little bit was um, that a player on the team made a comment about, you know, you don't get to pick your teammates, right? Which usually right. baseball, right. the right. ultimate, you know, we could do a whole episode on the unwritten rules of baseball. But but calling out your teammate in the media, you know, that's certainly uh, like in chapter 97 or so, the unwritten rules, whatever. But um, but, you know, a Yankee player did. And and so, you know, that's maybe the, the players are the players shouldn't be the ones who have to police this sort of stuff. That, that should be squarely in the league. Right. That player is also their rep to the union. Yeah. No so. coincidence there. Two good punchable faces. Two good punchable faces. Both deserve major wallops. So, all right, guys. See you guys again. That's it. Everybody stay warm. Stay safe. Stay warm. We'll see you next week. Stay warm, Pope. Stay warm. Yeah. Stay warm. Uh, It's in the 80s. We're playing golf tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoy. Later, guys. guys. See you all. Yeah.